Tuesday, Yom Gimel, Gimel Sivan. This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, and this is Ezebek. And today, Gimel Sivan is the first the three days, Shloshet Yimei Hagbala, the three days preceding Shavuot, the three days of boundaries, of restrictions. It's an interesting thing, Shloshet Yimei Hagbala. We understand that before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah, Har Sinai was just a pile of rocks. There's no Kedusha, no sanctity in the mountain called the Mount Sinai. We don't even know where it is. And the basic reason why we don't know where it is because no one really cared. It, it returned to the world, returned to history, and as a place lost all significance. We understand that during Matan Torah, of course there was totally forbidden for anyone to go up on Har Sinai because God's presence was on Har Sinai. Same as you're not allowed to enter Kachri Kachri, you're not allowed to go where God's presence is found. After Matan Torah is over, then no problem. It's just another mountain. But why three days before? If it's true that the place has no significance outside of when God's presence is on it, which is an event that's outside of human history, then even one minute before, there should be no prohibition. And yet the Jews were told, You should make a boundary off limits around the mountain for three days for three days before. No one was allowed to take one step on the mountain which God's presence would come down onto at the end of those three days. Today has halachic significance. You don't say tachnun. It's it's a kind of a minor holiday. What are we supposed to do during Shloshet What is its real significance today? I think the answer to the two questions is the same. There's a general halacha before Yom Tov. You make preparations. 14 days, 30 days. You learn halachot. You get yourself ready. That doesn't apply to Shavuot so much because there are no halachot of Shavuot. Just halachot of Yom Tov in general. But there are no special mitzvot hayom of Shavuot. The significance of Shavuot, the specific and different significance of Shavuot, is that that which you have all the time becomes fresh, new, special, comes right out from Har Sinai. We own the Torah. The Torah is ours. It was given to Amisor. Morasha Gehilat Yaakov. It's our inheritance. At the same time, Torah is Torah min Hashemayim. Torah Hashem. It doesn't belong to this world. It belongs to another world. When you, when you, when you hold Torah in your hands, you're, you're communicating with the heavens. And Shavuot comes to recreate that experience. On Shavuot, the Torah is on Hasinai. It's God coming down. And we take a step back. To have the same place, or the same Torah, or the same experience, be both a normal part of our life, and yet to treat it as though it transcends everything in the normal parts of our lives, that can't be done only for one second, only at the time when it's when it's totally appropriate. It takes three days to take the mountain out of Midbar Sinai, out of its normal context, and make it worthy of being the seat of God's Shekhinah, of God's Holy Presence, coming down from heaven into the world. And that, I think, is what you do three days before Shavuot, the only holiday that has this halacha, 
of getting ready, not practically, not, not baking the matzahs, not building the sukkah, but getting ready beforehand. Because when comes Shavuot, we're going to have the Torah burst out of its heavenly celestial existence and, and come into, and come into our world and transform our world. We're going to break out of the normal history and the normal routine of life. Without anything totally new happening, it's the same Torah. You don't get any new mitzvot. We don't get any new mitzvot on Shavuot. You need three days to prepare your lives so that the same thing, which is normal and routine and a regular part of your life, should now all of a sudden reconnect to the fact that it's rooted lamala, rooted in the heavens, rooted in God's world, rooted in God's presence, so that when it comes Shavuot, and the skies open up, and we receive the Torah again, they really will be Chadashim Kiyom Nitinatan Misinai. They will be fresh and new, extraordinary, transforming, transcendent, as the day when Am Yisrael got it at Har Sinai. Long introduction than usual. Today's shiur is from Harav Moshe Tarigin, the fifth shiur in the essentials in Avodat Hashem. After the shiur, we'll be back with the Halacha Yomit. Shimon HaTzadik, in that second Mishnah of Perki Avos, mentioned three pillars upon which the world is founded, which sustain the universe. Torah, Avoda, and Gamilas Chasadim. First two shiurim assessed the centrality of Talmud Torah, of Torah study, within religious experience. Torah is the closest approximation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence in human terms. The second two shiurim addressed pathways to davening, to prayer, noting the dual precedents of Korbanos and Avos, and highlighting the various voices, the emotional voices of tefillah, which were inaugurated by the various avos in their particular moments of tefillah. The next few shiurim, Amir Tzashem, will address the third pillar of the universe, Gemilus Chasadim. Acts of chasad, of kindness, charity, generosity, selflessness. What are the foundations of chasad? Why do we perform chesed? And of course, not just why we perform it, but what types of attitudes and emotions should animate our performance of chesed. In Parshas Kedoshim, the Torah provides the most concentrated list of Ben Adam Lachavero out of any other list in the Torah. Parshas Kedoshim begins with the Pasuk, the very famous Pasuk, Kedoshim Tiu. Ki kadosh ani Hashem alokechem, exhorting us to be holy, to sanctify ourselves and our lives. The actual list, however, of mitzvahs which will enable that sanctification are very common and ordinary mitzvahs. Ish so we shouldn't believe, so we shouldn't delude ourselves into thinking that kedusha requires some dislocation of self or some transformation some other sphere beyond our world, to just be a good, ethical, honest, halacha-fearing person. 
The Torah writes as follows, beginning with Parak Yutas Pasuk Yud Aleph. Lo signovu, perhaps we may start two psukim beforehand, from the beginning of Pasuk Tes. The Torah describes various halachas of matanos aniyim, peya, leket, ololos, various forms of charity, of tzedakah, which is one of the uh, major pathways of chesed. But after describing peya and leket and ololos, Pasig Yudalev, the Torah begins to describe other areas of Inadam Lachavera. Lo signovu, not to steal, lo tikachashuva, lo tishakru, not to lie, or to present falsely in court, lo tishavu bishmi lashakr, to take an oath in vain, or to utter a false oath. Lo tashok et reyacha, velo tigzol, armed robbery, lo salim pulas sachir, withholding wages and salary. Abusing those who are vulnerable. Maintaining integrity within a judicial setting. Abstaining from seething hatred towards another. Lo sikom v'lo sitor, vengeance and bearing grudges. V'yahavta l'recha kamocha. At the top of this hierarchy, as it were, of ben adam l'chavero, of chesed, of the way in which we interact on a moral and ethical level towards those in our society and our community, at the top of this, the pinnacle of this hierarchy sits v'yahavta l'recha kamocha. Based on this, Insertion based on this sequence, Rabbi Akiva, as he is cited in the Torah's Kohanim in the Sifra, issues his very, very famous, well-known statement. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Ze klal gadol batora. The Yehavta is a klal gadol batora. When Rabbi Akiva employed the term klal, referring to the Yehavta he intended two different connotations of the term klal. The first connotation is that it is important, chief, cardinal, basic. It's a crucial and indispensable principle of Avodah Hashem. Klal meaning important. However, there's a second connotation to the term klal. The Chinuch, when he describes the mitzvah of chesed, v'yahavta l'recha kamocha, the Chinuch claims that by excelling in this mitzvah, v'yahavta l'recha kamocha, a person can excel, can extrapolate the entire world of ben adam l'chavero, of chesed, of tzedakah. It's not just important or chief, but it's a template, it's a model, it's a klal, a general directive from which the specific details can be hewn and can be deducted. So not just klal in the sense of an important principle, but klal in terms of a generalized statement which can be employed to derive and to expand the entire system. And this second connotation of klal, of course, is supported by the placement of the after the recha kamocha at the apex of this list in Parshas Kedoshim. The list is very extensive. It's very, very concentrated. Perhaps it proceeds from more 
severe aspects, more blatant aspects of chesed, to more subtle ones, tzedakah, geneva, lying and cheating, to more subtle aspects, verbal abuse, internal hatred, grudge-bearing, revenge. But at the top of this list, at the top of this pyramid, rests the mitzvah after the recha kamocha, which encapsulates and incorporates the totality of the list. It is clear that this second connotation of Klal Gadol Batara, not just as an important mitzvah, but as, a car, but as a template or model from which the entire system can be replicated, it is clear that the second connotation informed a very famous response of Hillel. Hillel, of course, many years before Rabbi Akiva issued his famous, famous enunciation of Klagadol Batara, Hillel also noted the centrality of the Haftalarecha Kamocha, and not only did he note its centrality, but he paraphrased it in a very, very well-known translation. The Gemara in Shabbos and Daflam and Aleph recants the story of a Gentile who intended to convert. Shuv He visited Shammai, and he professed his intentions. He's a bit impetuous. He sought instant conversion. Didn't have the time, nor perhaps the interest, to invest in a long-term assessment or exploration of Torah and of religion. He wanted a quick confusion of Torah and a rapid, immediate conversion. Shammai, of course, was a purist. Shammai, of course, thought of the world not as it was, but as it ought to be. In an ideal world, years and years, lifetime of study must precede conversion. So what did Shammai respond? How did he respond? He literally showed him the door. The Gemara suggests some sort of pseudo-violent response. He actually uh, perhaps accosted him with some wooden beam or pushed him out the door, but there was some very, very harsh response. So this potential convert went down the block and visited Hillel. And Hillel accepted his proposal. And he tried to condense the entire world of Avodah Hashem into one bit of advice, one suggestion. Amar Lo, he told him, Di Alech Hasani Lotavid, which effectively means do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Hillel articulated in the negative sense that which is uh, unattractive or unappealing to yourself. Don't perform, don't impose upon another. Oftentimes people mistake Hillel's statement for the actual Pasuk. Many people would think that the Pasuk itself, those who are not exposed to Torah, would think that the Torah itself writes, do unto others that you are doing to yourself. And there is no such word or Pasuk like that in the Torah. The Torah articulates, and Hillel translated the Pasuk in Kedoshim into this advice, into this um, suggestion. And Hillel continued, Zuhi kala tarakula. This is the kernel of Torah. Idach, the remainder of Torah, perusha. is merely the explanation, the amplification. Zilgamar. Study that, extract that on your own. 
Generations before Rabbi Akiva employed the term klal, which perhaps includes dual connotations, Hillel already sensed the possibility of employing as a template for religious development to extrapolate the overall system of Avodah Hashem. And in response to this potential convert, he encouraged him to be scrupulous about and he also offered practical advice about how to employ the mitzvah, execute the mitzvah. And the rest, Hillel assured him, he would arrive at through the mitzvah of Yehavta It's a very interesting Rashi, to take a slight tangent, who implies a very interesting question. It's one thing to assume that Vihafta Larecha Kamocha can be used as a template towards arriving at the entire comprehensive system of Ben Adam Lachavera. Presumably, an individual who excels, sensitive to other needs, providing sacrifice and selfless assistance to others, will also be sensitive to the Yisr of Geneva, to the Yisr of Sheker, to the Yisr of Sinah, will distribute staka appropriately. But Benadon Lechavero comprises only half of the Torah. Presumably this gear solicited conversion from Hillel and a conversion which would be comprehensive, which would extend across the entire sweep of mitzvahs, both Benadon Lechavero as well as Benadon Lamakam. Perhaps Hillel defrauded this gear. How could this potential convert, how can we, Possibly intuit the mitzvah of tefillin, sukkah, matzah, the world of korbanos. From after the recha kamocha, was Hillel deceiving this gear? Was he diluting the Torah just to attract an additional convert? So Rashi implies this question, and in response to this question, Rashi cites a pasuk in Mishlei. The Pasuk in Mishle writes, Re'acha v're'a avicha al ta'azov. Do not forsake, do not abandon your friend, nor your father's friend. Pasuk which addresses the trait of loyalty. Not abandoning people with whom you share a past, past experiences. Rashi interprets, Za'akarash The friend to which the Pasuk in Mishle refers is really a Kaddish Baruch Al Tavor Al Dvarav. Don't abandon him by disobeying his request. Sharei Alecha Sanui. You dislike when others who you seem, who you take to be your friend, Shiavor Chaverecha Al Dvarecha. When they violate your requests. When they violate your wishes. Rashi claims that based on the Pasuk and Mishlei, one of the manners in which we can relate to a Kaddish Baruch we're allowed to apply all sorts of imageries and metaphors to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, though they don't truly apply, but they facilitate religious experience, they create a more immediate and intimate encounter. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our father, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Melech, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, these are all forms of human relationships that we can superimpose upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu so that we can better create an interface between man and God. One of the phrases or one of the relationships at a human level which we are able to project onto HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that he's our friend. He's not just Avinu, he's not just our father, he's not just Malkinu, he's not just the creator of the world, which is a literal translation, not just a metaphor, he created this world. 
but he's also our friend. The Ramban writes in Parshas Vayechi, when Paro meets Yaakov, so Yaakov describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu as HaKel HaRo'el, see, the literal translation is God who was my shepherd. Hashem Ro'i Lo'ach Sari is my shepherd, I fear not. Pasuk in Tehillim. The Ramban writes that the word Ro'ah doesn't just mean he's my shepherd, my leader, my guide, but he's also my friend, my companion. And as Shir Hashirim articulates, we have the right and in fact the responsibility to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a companion, as a friend. By excelling in V'yavta Kamocha, in friendship and in selflessness, and particularly in the trait of loyalty. Loyalty demands that we show allegiance even when our heart or our passions, our convictions or our principles don't necessarily support that decision. At a human, a social level, sometimes there are people with whom we share a past, friends of ours from the past, and our trajectories begin to diverge and the friendship starts to dissipate. And that's allowable and sometimes even desirable, that as you choose new directions in life, you reshape your friendships. But we still have to exhibit loyalty to people with whom we share our past, and particularly those who have performed kindness and generosity to us in our past. While loyalty doesn't mean that we have to adopt their value systems, but at a personal level, to be part of their lives, to respond to their needs, this is a trait that is very much a part of the religious heart. The Pasuk in Parshas Lech Lecha, in Parakir Gimel, in Bereshis, the Torah describes Avraham's ascent from Egypt after descending there momentarily because of the hunger and famine in Israel. He returns from Egypt to Israel, and the Torah writes, Fayelech lemasav. He retraces his steps. Rashi interprets, Fayelech lemasav. Rashi writes in when he returned, He would stay in the very same motels or inns or guest houses that he had stayed on his way down to Egypt. A person should always reside in the same inn, in the same home. Part of this message of returning to the same location, part of this message speaks to the trait of loyalty. Speaks to the trait of sharing and committing yourself to those who have shown you favor and kindness in the past. And according to Rashi, this was Hillel's intention. This was how Hillel determined that the mitzvah v'yavta l'recha kamocha, friendship, kindness, loyalty, commitment, this mitzvah would serve as a porthole, not just toward the world of Ben Adam Lachavero, but ultimately towards the world of Ben Adam Lamakom, by viewing a Kaddish Baruch Hu as a friend. There are moments in our life where we are enthused and driven and impassioned to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And perhaps there are moments in which we aren't as driven, we aren't as excited about religious responsibility and ritual. At those moments, perhaps, we continue to serve out of a sense of loyalty. A loyalty to a friend, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our Creator, our Father, who has supported us since the moment we have been born. HaKel HaRo'el Di Me'osiyad in the literal 
interpretation of Yaakov's statements, according to the Ramban, from the moment I was born, breathed life into us, supported us, even during our moments of rebellion, even when we have looked away or betrayed His will. And just as we would wish that a friend to whom we have shown kindness would fulfill our request, perhaps we should, sell, we, we should show and demonstrate the same reciprocal loyalty to HaKadosh Baruch so when Rabbi Akiva articulated the Pasuk V'yahavta L'Recha Kamocha as a klal gadol batara, undoubtedly he intended two different meanings. That it is important, but it's not just important. It's also a template. Interestingly enough, there was a dissenting opinion cited by Chazal in that famous, famous section in the Sifra on Parshas Kedoshim. Rabbi Akiva's definition is famous. Celebrated. There are songs based on this Taras Konim. Which school child is not familiar with this basic fundamental phrase? But there is a descending opinion cited in the name of Ben Azai. Ben Azai Omer, a different Pasuk is a Klal Gadol, a different Pasuk serves as the foundation of Chesed of Ben Adam Lachavero. According to Benazai, the alternate Pasuk, which supersedes V'yavta L'recha Kamocha, is the Pasuk in the beginning of the fifth parak of Bracious. Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam Biyom Bera Elokim Adam Bidmus Elokim Asalso Zeh Klal Gadol Mizeh, Benazai concludes. This is an even more surpassing and crucial Pasuk. What makes this Pasuk so much more compelling towards the world of ethics and morality, sacrifice and generosity than the Pasuk of Yavta L'Recha Kamocha? Evidently, Ben-Azai offers a different motive, a different basis for the world of Chesed. The Yavta L'Recha Kamocha is pitched upon an emotional response to the needs of a person in distress, an ill, a poor, a hungry, a psychologically needy person, has real issues, real deficiencies, which weigh upon their conscience. And by assisting them, we serve those needs, and we relieve those pressures. We show them love, we increase friendship, v'yahavta l'recha kamocha. According to Ben-Azai, the world of chesed should be driven should be driven by an alternate motive. Each human being is endowed with a divine image. Whatever that divine image refers to, intelligence, speech, free will, cognition, human dignity, the sum of all those traits, the combination of all those traits. But there's something uniquely divine noble, about a human being. And that divinity, that nobility, was conveyed by the Malach Machayim Lachim. And as human beings make their way through this world and through their lives, that nobility becomes sullied. That dignity becomes compromised. The pressures, the needs, the failures, the limitations of the human condition 
strip a person of his dignity. Or at the very least, they contaminate that dignity. The response of chesed is an attempt to restore that native primal dignity which a person was born with. Ben Azai exhorted us to perform chesed not only, or perhaps not even primarily, exclusively to serve another's need, as much as to recognize that Selim Elohim and the existential psychological suffering in the absence of that Selim Elohim, where that Selim Elohim has become compromised or diluted, and to restore and replenish a person's Selim Elohim. There are three potential distinctions, conceptually, between chesed based on v'yahavta l'recha kamocha and chesed based on bedmus elokim, b'tselem elokim. Firstly, the statement in Avos Paragimel Mishnah Dalid, ironically, a statement authored by Rabbi Akiva, despite Rabbi Akiva's stress of v'yahavta l'recha kamocha, he also issued the following, one could say, complementary statement. Hu Omer, the Mishnah and Avos, Paragimel, Mishnah Yodalit states, in the name of Rabbi Akiva, Chaviv Adam, Shenivra B'Tselem. Man, not just Jew, is precious, is noble, because he was afforded this dignity. Chiba Yisera Nodaslo, Shenivra B'Tselem. Special love and affection was shown him, was shown him, because of this divine image, Shenemar B'Tselem Elokim, Asas Adam. Of course, in the overall hierarchy, Rabbi Akiva continues, Chavivin Yisrael Shenikru Banim Lamakom. A Jew is not just endowed with a divine image, but he's actually called a child, Banim Atem Lashem Elokechem. A higher identity. V'yavta recha Kamocha mandates Chesed in response to a Reya. A friend, the Gemarim Sachim tries to define who is considered a friend, who isn't considered a friend, where friendship may not just be an identity which emotions and emotional interaction can yield, but there's got to be perhaps an ideological friendship, people who perform mitzvahs. But certainly the statement of the Avtalarecha Kamocha is contained in Parshas Kedoshim, which is a Parsha describing primarily the Jewish experience. There's a great debate in the Rambam as to whether the Yavta Recha Kamocha actually applies to an ethical Gentile. But clearly the term Reacha is a limiting term at some level. By contrast, Tselem Elokim, Demus Elokim, Chaviv Adam, Shenivra B'Tselem, demands that we are ethical and moral, sensitive and generous to every man. For every single human being has been gifted with its elokim, Jew and non-Jew alike. So by introducing this alternate pasuk of Chaviv Adam Genivra B'Tselem or the pasuk of Demus Elokim, Ben Azai effectively stretches chesed beyond the parochial national boundaries of Judaism. We are commanded to be ethical and honest, not only because of social diplomacy, not only because it may lead to a Chilol Hashem, 
because the mandate of Gemilas Chasadim, the response to respect and honor the divine image, the nobility, the dignity with which each, each person was created, warrants as such. Chesed stretches beyond the Jewish experience. Perhaps there's a prioritization. The Gemara in Harios obviously lists various prioritizations. The Gemara states, Local needs have to be served first, and locality perhaps isn't only described or defined in geographical terms, but in national historical terms. But at its root, Chesed, in Adam Lechavero, is a summons towards ethics at an international, universal level. The second connotation of chesed in response to Tzalem Elohim is not only does it apply to a Jew and Gentile alike, but it also applies reflexively to oneself. The Medrash Rabbah in Parsha Lamidalid of Sefer Vayikra cites the following story. Hillel once left the yeshiva, once left teaching his students, and he began to walk. His Talmidim inquired as to his destination. He said, I'm performing a mitzvah. I'm going to perform a mitzvah. They inquired further, which mitzvah are you performing? He told them he's going to the bathhouse to attend personal hygiene. They questioned, is this a mitzvah? He responded that it was. He questioned them that if a king would have a statue placed in a theater or in a central town square, of course, he appoints someone to polish it, to buff it, to attend to it, to clean it. And not only that, but the person who is charged with this mission himself is glorified. Himself reaches stature. He is the king. He is in charge of polishing the king's most precious and favorite statue. So Hillel reasoned, and this is the language of the Medrash, Anu, Shenivrenu B'Tselem of Edmus. We were created in Hashem's image. We are Hashem's figurative statues. We possess, we reflect His intelligence, His spirit. Shouldn't we also attend to our own hygiene? Shouldn't we also attend to our own physical needs? A very, very powerful response. Hillel effectively employs Ben Azai's Pasuk of Tzalem Elohim and Elohim to remind us that Chesed is also reflexive. A person has to train himself towards performing Chesed to himself. Health, hygiene, appearance, psychological stability. Very often, reflexive Chesed, the Chesed described by Hillel, can conflict in terms of available resources with chesed to others. A person only has limited time and resources. How does he allocate between tending to his own personal needs and supporting, providing others and other people's needs? Not always an easy question to answer. But fundamentally, chesed is reflexive. Perhaps it's difficult to conceive of a reflexive chesed based on a pasuk of after the Recha Kamocha. That pasuk, in the very definition, in the very syntax, is an outward projective chesed towards another. It's a delivery. 
towards another raya. But the Pesach of the Musa Lokim divinizes chesed, as it were in performing chesed out of respect to the Melech, out of respect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So recognize the beauty, the spirit, the unique quality which he delivered to man, and I suffer as that spirit is challenged. As that spirit is dismantled, I suffer, and my love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands that I try to restore and replenish the lost or the contaminated Selim Elohim. So not only does the concept of the Musa Elohim stretch chesed from Jew to Gentile, it also perhaps creates a reflexive element. The third difference between chesed driven by Ve'avta L'Recha Kamocha and chesed driven by the Musa Elohim and perhaps the difference that best captures the inherent difference, the inherent contrast between the two forms of chesed, is that ultimately chesed of the after the recha kamocha can be reduced to service provisions. A person has needs, those needs have to be filled. In fact, according to the Rambam, interestingly enough, does not demand love at an existential, emotional level. Demands the provision of services. The Torah does not write, as it writes about Hashem, the Torah writes, and the Rambam is very clear, that halachically there is absolutely no mitzvah to engage in an emotional, passionate, personal, conveyance of love to another person. Obviously, beyond the halachic requirements, the more that an individual can summon and develop love towards another human being and certainly to another Jew, the greater the solidarity of our community, certainly the more redemptive our national experience. But at a halachic level, there is no responsibility to love another person. In Hilchos Deos, Perak Vav, Allah Gimel, the Rambam writes, Mitzvah kal Adam lehov es kal echad v'echad m'yisrael kegufa. Lefikach. How does he describe the mitzvah? Tzarech l'saper b'shvachau. You should praise him, speak kindly and favorably. Lachos al memono, protect his financial interests. V'rotze b'chvod atzmau. Chas al maman atzmau, v'rotze b'chvod atzmau, protects his financial interests and his reputation the same way he protects his own and preserves his own interests. And in the Sefer Mitzvah, the Rambam is even more clear that there is no mitzvah at an existential level to love another person based on the after the Recha Kamacha. By contrast, the mitzvah of Chesed, as it emerges from Selim Elohim, serves to remind us the beauty, the potential, the greatness which a human being possesses. A dignity which we sometimes ignore in others, and ultimately, sadly, in ourselves. The Muslim movement, which began in the early 1900s, in early 1800s, early 19th century, was dominated at the outset by a very reductive view of the human experience. This world was just a passageway to the next world. Its conditions and its terms are those of defeat. And man is best served by glancing away from this world and from human accomplishment, and focusing exclusively 
on the promises of the next world rather than the fraudulence of this world. The second strain of Musar, in part a response to this reductive form of Musar, was, was much more of an empowering form of Musar, to celebrate the potential, the opportunities that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allocated to men, the religious opportunities. How sad and tragic it was to waste, to surrender these opportunities for passing or fleeting fancies. In the great yeshiva of Slabatka, there were two words which were necessary to deliver a Musar Shmus. Only two words. Pastnisht. Doesn't pay. It's a tragic and unfortunate exchange of eternity when an individual falls victim to pettiness and to sin and to failure. So much is compromised. So much is lost. So much is surrendered. Specifically, by acknowledging the potential the opportunities which man has at his disposal can a person best avoid chait. Rav Nassan Tzvi Finkel, affectionately known as the altar of Slabatka, the mashkiach of the great Slabatka yeshiva, oftentimes employed the world of chesed, and chesed as it's perched on Tzalem Elokim, Rin Azai's form of chesed, to highlight the sensitivity which a human being should display towards man's dignity, towards man's nobility. It is specifically through the performance of chesed that we remind ourselves of that great potential with which man was equipped. He would cite the Gemara in Bava Metziah on Memtes, in which Rabbi Yochanan ben Masia asked his son to hire workers. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Masia's son offered them some food for lunch, and his father advised him even if you would prepare a Suda which would exceed or be equivalent to the Suda which Shlomo would enjoy, Shlomo Melech, you haven't yet fulfilled your responsibility. For they're the children of Avam Yitzchak and Yaakov. Perhaps this Gemara is referring to a specific responsibility to Jew, Avam Yitzchak and Yaakov. But this Gemara indicates how the opportunity of Chesed providing a lunch or meals for workers invites a human being to contemplate the dignity, the potential, the magnificence of man, to celebrate, to attend to it, and to rejuvenate that dignity. And by rejuvenating that dignity in others, to reinforce it within himself. Different Gemara and Bava on Pevav compares and contrasts the Suda which Avraham prepared for these three Malachim, these three angels, to the Suda of Shlomo. Shlomo prepared an ox for each person. But here, Avraham prepared, if I quote the Gemara, let me open the Gemara. Avraham prepared superior meat, dipped in relish, dipped in mustard. And Avraham's provision surpassed the provisions which Shlomo offered. Avram Avinu, of course, was performing chesed to non-Jews, to non-humans, but at least he thought they were human beings. And in that moment, as infirm and as weak as he was on that hot third day after his mila, he recognized the suffering, the needs of travelers, the dignity of a traveler which is compromised. And he showered 
generosity. Excessive, generous, sumptuous meals upon these wearied and tired travelers. I'm reading now from a sefer known as Ar HaTzafun, which is a transcription of some of the shiurim which the altar would give in Slabatka. He didn't write them, his Talmudim wrote them over, so obviously they're just general phrases, but just to provide a sense of how the altar would comment on this Gemara. He cited the Mishnah in Avos, Chaviv Adam Shinivra B'Tselem. person cannot limit the generosity of his heart, but must look within himself, within his conscience, to reveal the generosity in response to B'Tselem Elohim. More than that, a person must employ his imagination to sense Selim Elohim in other people. Perhaps at Selim, a human dignity, a divine image, which is not immediately discernible, which perhaps has been sullied or contaminated or hidden by the pettiness of society, by the pressures of human experience. An individual who provides chesed must be skilled, almost like an artist, in uncovering the dignity that each human being possesses and providing the response to reinforce and to supplement that dignity. And even if the recipient of your generosity cannot appreciate the impact of your provision upon his divine image, that's the very, very reason, the very same reason to provide that support. Because you must lament not just his lost divine image, but his inability even to recognize that loss. And according to the altar, chesed almost served as an opportunity for the provider to better distill the value, the importance of Tzalem Elohim. And by providing chesed in the lavish extravagant form that Avram provided or that Rabbi Yochanan bin Masi instructed his son, a person will be better attuned to the importance of Selim al-Akim, of human dignity, of recognizing human potential, and employing that recognition to prevent chait and religious failure. You've been listening to Harav Moshe Tarigan, the Shur and Essentials of Avodat Hashem. For today's Halakha Yomit, we started Birkat Kohanim. Yesterday, continuing in Birkat Kohanim. Uh, the Gemara in Sota Daf Lametet Amidbet makes the following compound statement. Amar Av Chista. Ein ha-korei rashay likrot kohanim at shi'chale amein mipi ha-tzibur. The korei, the person who is calling out to the kohanim what to say, which the chazin usually does. Yivarechacha, and the kohanim answer Yivarechacha, he's called the korei. He is not allowed to begin to call kohanim. He first calls and says kohanim, and then they begin the bracha, until the tzibur, the congregation, has finished saying amen to the bracha. The koranim do not begin the bracha until the korei has finished what he's saying. He says koranim. When he finishes koranim, they begin the bracha, not before. You don't answer Amen until the Kohanim finish their individual bracha. 
ושאם להתחיל ברכה אחרת עד שיחלה אמן מפי הציבור. הכהנים לא מתחילים את each role, there are three roles in Bekat Kohanim. There's the role of the Koray, who calls out to the Kohanim each and every word of Bekat Kohanim. There's the role of the Kohanim, who recite the Bachan. There's the role of Amisra, who recite Amains. I mentioned yesterday the Amain is integral to Bekat Kohanim because the people are part of Bekat Kohanim. They're receiving the Bachan. Each of these roles must be distinct and they shouldn't overlap very common because of the nature of Chazanot, because of the nature of the way people are davening, to have these things in most shuls overlap. The, the uh, Chazan says, Yivarechacha, and before he even finishes, the Kohanim is saying, Yivarechacha, and before they finish, he's is saying, Hashem. And when everybody answers Amen, there's a, a common custom, especially in Yom Tov, of answering a really fancy Amen. Amen. The Chazan can't wait, he's already starting the next bracha. So the Gemara explicitly says that you can't do that. And, and, um, here claims that it's not even enough to wait till most people finish. You have to wait till all the people finish. Each and every one of their different roles. And again, the reason is because you should realize that the Chazan, he's not a prompter. It's not like in a, in a play. He's whispering to the Kohanim what to say. It's a halacha. So learn from the Pasuk. Amol lahem, you should say the Bachat to them. They, the Kohanim, will say it to Amisa. And therefore, he says, what he says out loud, the Kohanim say what they say even more out loud, and the Kahal answers Amen, and especially in the Chazan, the Chazan should train himself to wait till the Amen or the Kohanim have finished what they have to say, and then say his word clearly and distinctly, perhaps not drag it out too much so as not to uh, encourage or lead the Kohanim to begin with this saying before he's finished. He should say what he has to say, clip it off nicely, then the Kohenim say what they say, he waits for them to finish their word, and then he says, then he says the next word, this is integral and essential to the correct saying of Birkat Kohenim. That's all for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the Shiur on Hilchot Mesechet Brachot Halacha Ve'agadah I will be giving that share. You have been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast, broadcast from Yeshivat Haaretzion, a project of Yeshivat Haaretzion, and Israel Koshitsky Virtual Beit Midrash. And this has been Ezra Bick, wishing you Kol Tov, Bibrakat HaTorah, Yitzion, Umi Yitzion, and we'll be back tomorrow.